Blog Talk Radio. Listen to me, because I really don't care no more about what anybody thinks. Because if we're going to go down this road and make a covenant, we can't make another covenant with death. You said, Tavis, what is that word about promise? What the, Barbara Jordan, what the American people want is simple. They want an America as good as its promise. Well, America is no good at all. If you have made a promise that you don't keep, what are you? You are a liar. Did they promise the Native Americans? Did they write it in treaties? Did they fulfill it? Did they promise us 40 acres and a mule? Did they fulfill it? Brown versus the Board of Education. 50 years later, where's the promise? Is it fulfilled or are we still in segregated schools? The right to vote. You got it? But the minute they gave it to you, they were finding ways to take it back from you. Can't you open your eyes and see the house is burning? We are dying every day, and we're in a hell of a condition because we've made a covenant with a government that is death itself, with a people that have lied to us, deceived us, and murdered us, and rubs us good on one side and kicks us in the behind on the other. You are a deceived people. If you don't have the testicular fortitude, to say what needs to be said, then sit down and stop trying to say you speak for our people and the hurt of the poor. Now I close. Excuse me. I applaud this covenant. But it demonstrates our impotence. Because in many of the chapters, it keeps going back to not only what we do, but really, we start looking to the same liar that has continued to promise, but never fulfilled. And that's why God said, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my faith and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, forgive your sins and heal your land. So don't look to them. Look to God. Look to yourself. Break your covenant with hell and death. Then make a covenant with black America and let's help implement a road map that will free us and the whites that will be free can be freed by this. The Mexicans, the Hispanics can be freed by this road map. We are a universal people. But those at the top, they're on their way to hell. And if I got any power, I want to push them into hell as fast as I can. But if Republicans are playing cutthroat politics, why are the Democrats playing that? And why can't they be on the offensive? 
And that, that's the first. Here's the second charge. You've got the Republicans beating this old message of debt. And that will be the narrative. And the Democrats, you don't see this coming? You don't see this narrative coming as they force another debt fight. The best of political talkback, common sense, right from the concrete. Urban, progressive, politics, politics, politics. At TruthWorks Network, 10 p.m., Alpha drills down deep the lies in politics. It's just damn politics. The Alpha Show. Well, good evening, good evening, and welcome to another edition of the Alpha Show here at TruthWorks Network, where the truth must be spoken more than once. First, I'd like to say I hope you all had a very filling, productive, and happy Labor Day. As a working stiff for over 45 years, um, that's neither here nor there. You work because you need to. I worked because I had to. I worked because I wanted to. But um, I hope all is well with everyone, and I hope everyone is um, feeling pretty good or feeling better than myself because I'm not feeling too good. They're winning. And when I say they're winning, they're winning because of the lack of fight. And I'll start with the Supreme Court hearings. Now, they put up a little fight. I have to give it to um, uh, uh, the senator from California, Carmela Harris. And I have to give it to Cory Booker. And a lot of the Democrats, are they're fighting embarrassment because they've allowed it to get this far. And they couldn't stop this nominee. They couldn't stop the none of this that has happened to this point about this nominee. And they probably won't be able to stop his confirmation. But what they can do is they can attack him at his roots. They can attack the Roberts Supreme Court at its roots. You see, this isn't just the nation and the democracy at risk. This is also the integrity and the credibility of another uh, norm, another foundation, the rule of law. The rule of law with the Supreme Court will be in the dustbin of history as nothing. It's the Supreme Court that has brought us Citizens United, 
and the backstory of Citizens United is it has allowed foreign money to seep into our politics. The Democratic Party has to be a little more forceful. You know, if the Republicans can create scandal out of lies and nothing, and Democrats can't raise the truth and issues that will affect us all, it won't just affect us all. It won't just affect me. I'm 65 years old, soon to be 66. And I have 12 grandchildren and uh, 17, coming up on 19, great-grandchildren. And this will affect them, be it their health, be it their working conditions. It will affect my offspring. It will affect my family. And I would hope that people, Americans, people of color, people of all colors, people of all ethnicities can figure this out. This isn't about red or blue, Democrat or Republican, because as many of you will believe that the way I believe, that these are the same people. These are the same people who simply advocate and enrich themselves. And they advocate and enrich themselves because they're trying to line their pockets, all of them. Difference is simply one thing. One side is totally sold out to the bankers and corporations and have climbed to the rooftops, turned around and pulled the ladder up behind them. And the other side is simply trying to throw breadcrumbs and kind of trying to help. But it's a two-party system. And I always ask the question, where are you going? The Green Party is out there. Well, what office, what do they hold? What office does any Green Party candidate hold? You talk about a field of dreams. I can understand their their ideology, and it's the same ideology that progressives have. I consider myself a progressive. I consider myself to a point where you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. The Democrats, there are so many of them in charge that they are simply half a step above being a Republican. But right now, The Republicans are in charge, and everything is at risk, especially our democracy. I posted in the chat room the link of the YouTube um, documentary, Active Measures. 
If you want to check it out, please do. But after the show, I thought I would just put the put the link up and um, allow you to um, just take a gander at it because at this point, from what I can see, Putin is winning. Now, back to this clown who's about to become a Supreme Court justice. The Democratic Party, the Democrats must take the House in November, and it, it, it really, you know, it's a matter of either we stop them here or there's no stopping them. Either we take advantage of the enthusiasm or we don't. As I gave you the Paul Revere-like warning about Donald Trump or all of this is gone. Hillary, no. I didn't want Hillary Clinton to be president. But right now, right now at this very moment, you would be a liar. And I'm not going to hesitate to call you a liar if you tell me that she would not be better. We would not be better with her in the office than Donald Trump. She can take half a million for a speech to Wall Street. She can take whatever she wants. But right now, she would make a huge difference. Right now, health care wouldn't be at risk. Health care is dead. The Affordable Care Act will die right after the midterms. They will cut Social Security. They will cut Medicare. They will cut Medicaid. With the passing of John McCain, who's not a high on my list of admirable people, now that, um, what's the clown's name? Kyle. Kyle, that's right. Former Senator um, Kyle is being uh, tapped to be John McCain's replacement. And if you don't remember who was it John Kyle? You don't remember who Kyle is. Kyle is the one who said he stood up and he told a lie on the floor of the Senate and came back and doubled down on that lie by simply saying his words were not meant to be factual. And the Democrats and the media allowed him to slide by with that lie. It was a lie then, and it's a lie now. And if you think he's going to save health care, if you think he's going to save your Social Security, if you think he's going to save anything, he's lockstep with Donald Trump. We wouldn't go through this, but for the fact that Donald Trump is president. So, when I tell you, it is the lesser of two evils. I don't, I, I've said it over and over and over again, and I'll continue to say it. I'll continue to say it. This man who is 
He's a farce. He's a Trojan horse trying to become a Supreme Court justice, and he will probably succeed. The Democratic Party must assure the people that they will subpoena him and they will subpoena all of the confidentially marked emails and information about him during the Bush years. So, and they should also be threatening to label the Roberts Court, the Supreme Court, not a not a grata or whatever the hell it is. You have to take a stand. You have this man has committed perjury four times. Not only must he not be confirmed, he should be impeached from the federal appeals court position that he holds. He committed four acts of perjury. And they got him dead to rights. They got him dead to rights. But they must push it. They must push it. I cannot I cannot see any other if you if you don't convince Susan Collins and Murkowski to vote no, if you don't keep the Democrats, four of them, from voting yes, it's a done deal. It's a done deal. So that's the task at hand. Let me put it like that. That's the task at hand, and it needs to be a a call, a battle cry. Balls on the wall. It's do or die time. It's do or die time for the Democratic Party, for our democracy, for the rule of law. If they can break the rules and break the law and whine like victims and accuse people with lies, then we have truly lost the democracy that this nation has become aware of. No, 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 no. It's not a democracy for people of color. It's not a democracy for you and me. But it's a democracy nevertheless. Kamala Harris has him in a huge lie because she has the information of one of his lies, and that was his conversation. How is it not a huge conflict of interest for him to have been speaking with people of the Trump law firm? And I call it the Trump law firm because the 
Trump law firm I referred to because he is the representative of Donald Trump. And the law firm was representing him in a capacity. Now he's talking to the law firm of Donald Trump, and he lied about it. That's one. He lied about his contact or his acquisition of stolen emails and acted like he never had them, he never saw them, and he didn't know that they were stolen. Both of those were lies. He's got a lie that the senator from Hawaii has caught him in because there are emails about what he said about the people of Hawaii, that they weren't um, Indian enough or Polynesian enough. And he lied about that. He's got four lies leaning against him. And the Democratic Party, everyone should be rushing a microphone and calling him just that a liar. He is a liar. And if you can't if you can't connect the two, there's something there is something seriously wrong with you. Something seriously wrong with you. I saw um just to kind of just to kind of veer off the subject for just a piece. Because and what caught my attention about this heckler. She was heckling um, a gathering uh, of Republicans. You know, they control all the committees, and um, they were there, and I kind of, it kind of escapes me what they were there for, but there was a young lady in the back, and the reason she caught my attention is because she looked like the, the young lady Zena Bash. Zena Bash is the woman behind Kavanaugh putting up the white supremacist signs. And she did it not once, she did it twice. And she did it twice, and the Democrats and the media still won't call her out on it. And they still, if she's sitting directly behind Kavanaugh, she's in his camp. His ideology on race, his ideology on Roe v. Wade and the killing of birth control, his ideology on quite a bit of um, offensive topics has to be uh, dug deep into. And I use that phrase because there's there's no other way of saying it. You must take these people to the walls. You don't go into a gunfight without a gun. And we're in the biggest gunfight. This is this is even bigger than OK Corral. <laughs> but um, this woman began to heckle at this um, 
at this gathering, at this meeting. And um, there was a Republican congressman who was sitting there. And I want you to listen to this because it was handled perfectly. Chair Nellip recognizes the order. We'll have order in the hearing room or you'll be asked to leave. You'll, ma'am, if you'll please take a seat or we'll have to have you, then you'll need to release. Donald Trump, help us. Please help us, Mr. President, before it is too late because Jack Dorsey is trying to influence the election huh? to sway the election. What's she saying? I can't understand her. What? The election. That is why how about it in? 12 and a half, 15, 7 and a half, 20 dollar, 2 and a half, 5, 7 and a half, 30. Yep, 30 dollar down here, 2 and a half, 5, 35, 7 and a half, 40. Yep, 40 dollar, 2 and a half, 5, 5, 45, 7 and a half, 50. Yep, 50 dollar down here, 2 and a half, 5, 50. will you escort this young lady out, please? Yep, 2 and a half now, 5, 55, 7 and a half, 70. What two and a half now? Five seventy-five, seven half, eighty dollar to five, eighty-five ninety. Eight hundred dollar and a ten, ten, ten and a quarter, one and a quarter, one and a half, seventy-five to two, two and a quarter. Yep, two and a half, seventy-five, three, you able to bomb three hundred. Yep, three and a quarter. Cut three and a quarter now, half, half, three and a half, seventy-five, four hundred. Yeah, but a four, four and a quarter, four and a half. We're selling the cell phone there, four and a quarter, four and a half. Yep, four and a half, four seventy-five, five hundred, five, five and a quarter, five and a half. I yield back. <laughs> For me. For me, that was the joke of the day. And I call it the joke of the day because he basically shut her down. And um, <laughs> she was this, I, it, it's come back to me why they were in this uh, session. They were in this session because they were pulling the okay from a lot of people. They were killing the voice of Twitter users and Facebook users, Alex Jones, and basically Alex Jones. And she was there to protest the, I guess she wants to call it, um, First Amendment uh, violations. Well, Twitter is not a government agency, and uh, to shut Alex Jones down because of the comical bovine that he preaches wasn't uh, wasn't bad. It, to me, it was just the fact that um, he approached it that way. He totally drowned her out, and um, he took the spotlight away from her attracted me to this video. This woman looks exactly, exactly like Zena Bash. And she took it to a point where when I had, I had to look again and I said to myself, Zena Bash is in Washington. And this event happened while Zena Bash was in Washington. And then I discovered her name was Laura Loomer. Well, she looks exactly like this white nationalist that sits behind Kavanaugh. And that's why I grabbed a hold of that little sound clip and played it for you. Because I thought it was uh <laughs> I thought it was a perfect it was a perfect storm. Because he's 
took it to the woodshed. Took it to the woodshed. But um, it's um, it's got to be to a point that stopping this Supreme Court nominee is your objective, and if you don't stop it, you have you may have to go all in. You see, the Trump administration has no problem demonizing and vilifying the Department of Justice, our intelligence agencies, and don't get me wrong here, the FBI, the CIA, the, the DNI, the NSA, they've done atrocious things, atrocious things to we as a people. But without it, we may as well be in Vladimir Putin's Russia. That's why I posted the active measures YouTube. And it's 40-something minutes long, but it gives you a backdrop. It gives you a story. It gives you a story to how Vladimir Putin came to power and how he flipped Donald Trump. And it's, it's, it's just so interesting. It's, it's not even funny because he is not... Um, United States is just a long list of countries, and he hasn't succeeded yet, but he's about to. And that's what we're trying to avoid here. Tell yourself over and over again, it's not who, just vote blue, no matter who. And we can clean this up. <laughs> and we can clean this up to a point where then we'll be able to reform these clowns, these dinos, who can do nothing other than enrich themselves, line their pockets, and lie to the masses. I saw the I saw another video on um Ocasio. And I saw this video on Ocasio and you can say what you want about socialism. You can say what you want because socialism has been demonized and vilified to a point where, hey, (laughs) you're not going to get anything other than negative because it wasn't, it wasn't pushed back on when it started. And that's what we needed to do. 
That's what needed to happen, but it didn't. So here we are, and here we'll be. Tell me something that is going to add to the ability to, I would say, break this down to that point. Break this down to a point where you can honestly say enough is enough. This is how you fight back. Um, Ayanna Presley, Tuesday it was, she beat um, another multiple-year Democratic uh, institutional Dino Ayanna Presley is an African American woman a socialist a democratic socialist she doesn't shy away from it and she speaks very she speaks very well to it and just so you know, here she is. But let me just say this outright, because I have been really furious about these constant charges being lobbied against me of identity politics, which, by the way, are only lobbied at women and candidates of color. I happen to be black and a woman and unapologetically proud to be both. But that is not the totality of my identity. I am a wife. I'm a mother. I was a caregiver to my mother end of life with a pre-existing condition. I'm a leader and I'm a problem solver, and that's what this district deserves. However, representation does matter. That is not the impetus for my run, but I'm not going to pretend that representation doesn't matter. But it doesn't matter, so we have progressive cred about how inclusive and representative we are. It matters because it informs the issues that are spotlighted and emphasized, and it leads to more innovative and enduring solutions. That's why it matters. You cannot have a government for and by the people if it is not represented by all of the people. Alexandria, or Ayana Presley, not Alexandria, Ayana Presley, the winner of the primary in Massachusetts. And Caputo, I believe, is the Democrat's name. And he is... Um, 10-term 10 10 congressman from the state of Massachusetts. Here's the upside of this. Presley is running on a poll, so she will be in Congress. Be right back. The I Declare Show. Wait a minute. Fill my cup. Put some nigga in it. Take a sip. Sign the check. Julio, get the stretch. Real Raw Right Now Talk Media. I Declare It. Break it down. India declare real, raw, and right now.
real raw right now. I declare it. The I Declare Show, Friday nights, 8 o'clock Central Time, India Declare, the real raw and right now of India Declare. She puts it where it belongs, the I Declare Show. This is TruthWorks Network. Black Voice Collaborative, where the truth is spoken more than once. <laughs> i tell you what, uh, I'm patiently awaiting the return of uh, Janice Graham and Our Common Ground. And um, hopefully we can um, get back to getting back where we need to be. I want to um, pause for the calls. Nature calls. Donald Trump once said he identified with Ayn Rand's character, Howard Rourke in a fountainhead. An architect so upset that a housing project he designed didn't meet specifications, he had it dynamited. Others in Trump's circle were influenced by Rand. Atlas Shrugged was said to be the favorite book of Rex Tillerson, Trump's Secretary of State. Rand also had a major influence on Mike Pompeo, Trump's CIA chief. Trump's first nominee for Secretary of Labor, Andrew Puzder, said he spent much of his free time reading Rand. The Republican leader of the House of Representatives, Paul Ryan, required his staff to read Rand. I grew up reading Ayn Rand. It's, it inspired me so much that I, it's required reading in my office for all my interns and my staff. Uber's founder and former CEO, Travis Kalanick, has described himself as a Rand follower. Before he was sacked, he applied many of her ideas to Uber's code of values and even used the cover art for Rand's book, The Fountainhead, as his Twitter avatar. So who is Ayn Rand and why does she matter? Ayn Rand, best known for two highly popular novels, still widely read today. The Fountainhead, published in 1943, and Atlas Shrugged in 1957, didn't believe there was a common good. She wrote that selfishness is a virtue, and altruism an evil that destroys nations. When Rand offered these ideas, they seemed quaint, if not far-fetched. Anyone who lived through the prior half-century witnessed our interdependence through depression and war. And after the war, we used our seemingly boundless prosperity to finance all sorts of public goods, schools and universities, a national highway system, and health care for the aged and poor. We rebuilt war-torn Europe. We sought to guarantee the civil rights and voting rights of African Americans. We opened doors of opportunity to women. Of course, there was a common good. We were living it. But then, starting in the late 1970s, Rand's views gained ground. She became the intellectual godmother of modern-day American conservatism. This utter selfishness, this contempt for the public, this win-at-any-cost mentality is eroding American life. Without adherence to a set of common notions about right and wrong, 
We're living in a jungle where only the strongest, cleverest, and most unscrupulous get ahead, and where everyone must be wary in order to survive. This is not a society. It's not even a civilization, because there's no civility at its core. It's a disaster. In other words, we have to understand who Ayn Rand is so we can reject her philosophy and dedicate ourselves to rebuilding the common good. The idea of the common good was once widely understood and accepted in America. I mean, after all, the U.S. Constitution was designed for we the people seeking to promote the general welfare, not for me the selfish jerk seeking as much wealth and power as possible. Yet today, you find growing evidence of its loss. CEOs who gouge their customers, loot their corporations, and defraud investors. Lawyers and accountants who look the other way when corporate clients play fast and loose, who even collude with them to skirt the law. Wall Street bankers who defraud customers and investors. Film producers and publicists who choose not to see that a powerful movie mogul they depend on is sexually harassing and abusing young women. Politicians who take donations, really bribes, from wealthy donors and corporations to enact laws their patrons want or shudder the government when they don't get the partisan results they seek. And a president of the United States who repeatedly lies about important issues, refuses to put his financial holdings into a blind trust, and then personally profits off his office and foments racial and ethnic conflict. The common good consists of our shared values about what we owe one another as citizens who are bound together in the same society. A concern for the common good, keeping the common good in mind, is a moral attitude. It recognizes that we're all in it together. If there is no common good, there is no society. That's Ann Rand and the missed opportunity of the Democratic Party to hang Ann Rand around the neck of Republicans, the Speaker of the House, and the many congressmen and senators who are Ann Rand disciples. And yet it goes unchallenged. The people aren't able to take a position on that type of selfishness. And that's just low-hanging fruit that has fallen to the ground and is rotting. They didn't treat it like Republicans have treated socialism, liberals, uh, liberal media, affirmative action, the race card. They've demonized vilified each at each and every turn to seize and frame the narrative and the message because they filled the vacuum of lack of messaging from the Democratic Party. And, I mean, it is what it is. That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. That's all that it is. And each and every turn, I can give you 
instances. I can give you examples of where the Democratic Party over the years have failed to message, have failed to frame who Republicans really are. The only person that, and he's not, uh, he's a, he's, he's a, he was an entertainer. He was a performer. And his message stuck with me for this long because it was a good message. I was wondering about our yesterdays and digging through the rubble. And to say the least, somebody went to a hell of a lot of trouble to make sure that when we looked things up, we wouldn't fare too well. And we would come up with totally unreliable pictures of ourselves. But I compiled what few facts I could, I mean, such as they are, to see if we could find out a little bit of something. And this is what I got so far. First, white folks discovered Africa. They claimed it fair and square. Cecil Rose couldn't have been robbing nobody because, hell, there wasn't nobody there. And white folks brought all the civilization because there wasn't none around. How could the folks be civilized when wasn't nobody writing nothing down? And just to prove all of their suspicions, well, didn't take too long. They found out that there were whole tribes of people in plain sight running around with no clothes on. That's right. The men, the women, the young and the old righteous folks covered their eyes. And no time was spent considering the environment. Hell no, this just wasn't civilized. And another piece of information they had, or at least this is what we were taught, is that unlike the civilized people of Europe, these tribal units actually fought. And yes, there were some crude implements, and yes, there was primitive art, and yes, they were masters of hunting and fishing, and courtesy came from the heart. And yes, there was love and medicine, religion, intertribal communication by drum, but no paper, no pencils, and no other utensils. And hell, these folks never even heard of a gun. And this is why the colonies came, to stabilize the land, because the dark continent had copper and gold, and the discoverers had themselves a plan. They would discover all the places with promise. You didn't need no titles and deeds. Then they would appoint people to make everything legal, to sanction the trickery and greed. And back in the jungle, when the natives got restless, they would call it guerrilla attack. And they would never describe that the folks finally got wise and decided that they would fight back. And still, we are victims of word games. Semantics is always a bitch. Places once referred to as underdeveloped are now called mineral rich. And the game goes on eternally. Unity kept just beyond reach. Egypt and Libya used to be in Africa. They've now been moved to the Middle East. There are examples galore, I assure you. But if interpreting were left up to me, I'd be sure every time folks knew this version wasn't mine, which is why it is called His Story. That's right. His Story. <laughs> uh, that was um, the late Gil Scott Heron. And um, I came across that a couple of years ago. And it seems to to have resonated to a point where it's undeniable. You can't deny that. You might be able to deny a few things, but uh, not that. You have to uh, make sure that we find something that resonates 
with the American people because what really irks me to no end is that they are not responding to the silliness. The silliness. And here's the silliness. Democrats can't be just against Trump. They have to stand for something. Do you mean they have to stand for something? How about voting rights, civil rights, human rights, the EPA? How about Social Security, Medicare? And did did anyone hear the Netroots speech by Casio Cortez? I thought I grabbed that sound bite, but um, it's not here in the list. And I've done about all I can do to pull it, to pull it up. <laughs> And um, somewhere, somehow, I heard about um, typing it into the search box, but it'll totally mess up everything. It'll totally mess up everything. And somehow, I kind of know that. But I'll continue to... uh, Search my own archives. And people are, especially myself, I can do some of the dumbest things sometimes, but and too, I can stumble across something good at times, and I can try to disseminate that to my audience. If I can get just one person on the same page mentally that I'm on with who you need to be against now, because the what I am actually searching for is uh, Cortez's net roots um, deliberation, her her speech to the net roots crowd, because. This is, um, it's very important that people understand, you know, I, I'm at a loss why it's not here, but I can only be at a loss for so long. And um, my thing at this point is, do I dare try to, Try to find it because I'm sure it's in my uh, it's in the list of um, uploaded uh, clips, but it's not on the board in front of me, and I'll have to I'll have to fix that. So let me get back to our conversation. You know, there's a black man in Florida who's become the candidate for the governor, for the governorship of Florida. 
he was um, instantly smeared by the white man who has white supremacist ties, who has a history with white supremacists. Now, all of a sudden, they want you to believe he's not who he is. All of a sudden, they want you to believe that he's someone different. He's somehow different. And it's just not... uh, It's just not a viable uh, situation when it comes to all of the nonsense that you hear coming from Republicans. They'll play the race card at a drop of a hat, bam, and then lie about it. And then turn around and double down on it, but their dog whistle has gone through. Their dog whistle. They have communicated their dog whistle. So therefore, who cares? It's a done deal. Just like if Kavanaugh gets through, who cares what anybody else says? He's not going to step down. He's going to do nothing. And that's how they do it. They force their way into a position and hunker down and fight you every step of the way and fight you to a point where people will give up and start talking about other nonsense. And I've been very negligent about this, but let me give it to you now. 929-477-2867. The lines are open. (laughs) Yes, the lines are open. If you feel the need to agree or disagree, if you feel the need to get something off your chest, give me a call. 929-477-2867 is the number here. And don't forget, you have to press 1. So I'll know your hand is raised and you have something to say. So don't um, don't um, hesitate. If you got something to say, step up and say it. Because it um, it can only help you. <laughs> it can only help you. We have. Um, a great deal of nonsense. And is this man out of his mind? Does he really believe that people are... He wants the Justice Department to step up and investigate the New York Times anonymous op-ed Isn't the Justice Department investigating crimes? Isn't the Justice Department, what crime, what law was, oh, oh, he's saying it's, uh, he's saying it's uh, a national security. It's, it's, it's a national security 
issue. What national security? The only national security I see that's in effect here is the Trump-Russia connection. And you had another Trump foreign policy advisor that he claims he don't know, but he's a foreign policy advisor. But don't get him started because Trump don't know him. You see, Trump says, I don't know who he is. Trump's a liar. So what's new? So when you get right down to it, who are you going to believe? The man who's told over 4,200 lies? Or are you going to believe someone who hasn't been out front lying to you constantly? And I do mean constantly. You know, I heard a... Um, I heard a um, a speech by uh, Dr. King, and I would hope that many of the people, many of the parents, would reflect this in their raising of children and their raising of their young and instill this in them. And simply in the cycle of miseducation. I wanted to play this for you, so you can kind of grasp it and get a hold of it. This is the most important and crucial period of your lives for what you do now and what you decide now at this age may well determine which way your life shall go. And the question is whether you have a proper, a solid, and a sound blueprint. And I want to suggest some of the things that should be in your life's blueprint. Number one in your life's blueprint should be a deep belief in your own dignity, your own worth, and your own somebodyness. Don't allow anybody to make you feel that you are nobody. Always feel that you count. Always feel that you have worth. And always feel that your life has ultimate significance. Secondly, in your life's blueprint, you must have, as a basic principle, the determination to achieve excellence in your various fields of endeavor. You're going to be deciding as the days and the years unfold what you will do in life, what your life's work will be. Once you discover what it will be, set out to do it, and to do it well. Be a bush if you can't be a tree. If you can't be a highway, just be a trail. If you can't be the sun, be a star. For it isn't by size that you win or you fail. Be the best of whatever you are. 
finally in your life's blueprint must be a commitment to the eternal principles of beauty, love, and justice. Well, life for none of us has been a crystal star, but we must keep moving. We must keep going. If you can't fly, run. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl, but by all means, keep moving. The late, great Dr. Martin Luther King. And uh, I would simply hope that uh, many of the young people will take notes and instill this in their children. 929-477-2867. Let me go to the phones. 757, welcome to the Alpha Show. Thank you for your call to TruthWorks Network. What's up, my brother? Otis, how you doing, Otis? Man, you're getting good with this voice recognition, aren't you? Well, after a while, yeah. even even a dummy like me will pick it up. <laughs> okay, okay. Since we kindred spirits, I, I turned sixty-five at the end of July, so I'm I'm gonna, I'm going to start calling you my twin. Look, uh, you say Russia, Russia, and I want to ask you a question. If you have a man who's running this, you you have a man who's running this country. It has over five hundred separate entities stretched across the globe. Do you think our biggest problem is just Russia? I think Russia might be somewhat of a distraction as far as Trump is concerned, and I tell you why. I made a prediction about six months ago on Facebook, and I got laughed at, and I don't mind being a court jester, so I took that with all as as a sign of respect. That man has his fingers in everything. But I think with this Mueller investigation, what you're going to find is just what I predicted. Sessions and several other prominent GOP congressmen, sitting congressmen, are just as involved in the, quote, Russia involvement as Trump is. That's exactly why they're doing no holes barred to make sure evidence doesn't surface to the public while they're in office. And I tell you, I think I said it before in one of your programs, in the last three months, they've had two separate delegations of nothing but Republicans go to Russia and sit with other Russian legislators to work out differences between our two countries. They have yet to report to the public what they talked about, what was the purpose of the mission beyond they wanted to work with their Russian counterparts. Now, the only time in my lifetime that I've heard people use the term counterparts is when you're in cahoots together. So I'm saying to you, I don't think Donald Trump is the main problem. I think it's a whole host of them, including Sessions and Papadopoulos, who just uh, 10 days instead of a six-month maximum, I think is a tell that he's dropped a dime on more than just Trump. (laughs) I agree with that. Now, that I agree with, but I'm going to ask you this. The, I, and and I'll I'll give you first. I'm going to give you 
my opinion. To me, Russia is at the heart of this, not at the totality of this, because right now Russia is in control of Donald Trump. Donald Trump is in control of the Republican Party, and the Republican Party is in control of the nation. Well, there is nothing know, more important right now. I, I, Donald I, Trump can I, I own he can own everything. He can own entities all over the world. But right now, well, he is with all, tearing with all down respect, the democracy. Look, with all due respect, I'm, I'm going to tell you, you've been around as long as I have. If Donald Trump was so powerful, how come Barack Obama was limited by supposed obstructionism? What I'm saying to you, the real center of power is the people you talked about earlier in the NSA, the DNI, and all of that, and Congress. They hold the purse string. They even, matter of fact, the New York Times is added to the validity of what I'm saying by having an anonymous insider supposedly tell you that rather than invoke the 25th Amendment, what they've done is basically usurp democratic representation in our republic, which you called a democracy, but I say is a corporate-held entity. Anyway, what they've done is supposedly take papers off his desk so he can't sign them, and he doesn't even know that the papers have been removed. So do you think he really has his pulse on what's going on in governance? Donald Trump concerned with what's good for Donald Trump. Matter of fact, he probably hadn't even read Ayn Rand, and he is one of the greatest proponents of it because greed is good. Greed is better than good. That's just the number one mantra. I don't care about trying to find out what page it's on or whatever. If you want to give a quick synopsis of what she's all about, everything that most people call a sin is good. So I'm saying to you, if the other people who control the purse strings were not guilty and complicit in what went on with Trump, he would not be there. When you look at what Sessions did as a sitting senator, he sided with Trump. He was the first one to go public, but he wouldn't have gone public if his cadre of other senators and some House representatives were not there to back him up. He was just a flagship for saying, I when Mercer and the Cokes, as much as they disagree with each other, they came together for the purpose of advancing something I said when I first called in, one of, one of the first times I ever called in, advancing the power manifesto. These people have what the only other country that I know of that has this attitude, they have a long-term vision. When they see that they can advance their cause, they can patch up, create alliances, even though they don't trust each other the moment they leave out the door. And this country is in peril because too many of the leading influential senators are in this just as deep as Trump is. I'm gonna let oh I wanna let you get your show back, but because I'm an abolitionist I also have to say Give a shout-out to the largest prison strike in the history of this country that has spread around the world, and you even have Palestinians calling in saying 
The exception clause in the 13th Amendment has made slavery legal in this country, and it has wreaked havoc mostly on black people because there are over 700,000 black males in prison, and it has shown to the Innocence Project and several other leading organizations that probably 40 to 45% of them are in for nonviolent crimes, most to do with marijuana, and guess what? Marijuana is being legalized all across the country, and nobody's saying anything about restoring these people's lives, except for states like California that are talking forgiveness, and even New York is talking about it. And I think they're trying to get ahead of the curve because they realize the billions being made off of marijuana is going to be a problem when you realize you've got black people sitting in jail for a couple of joints. So I'll give you back your program. If you want me to hang on, I will. Well, well, I'm I'm just going to put you on mute here, but uh, please hang on. <laughs> I want you to hear it all. But thanks a lot for your call, Otis. Appreciate it, brother Otis. But he's Otis is absolutely right. This is it, Donald Trump has his fingers in a lot of things, and people have to be aware. But right now. Right now, all of the people who are his accomplices, who are complicit in all of this, in the Republican Party and a few in the Democratic Party, right now, Donald Trump is the biggest threat to this nation. And... The winning of these, the winning of these uh, special elections by women of color, taking back the House, is going to be a moment. And I'm going to tell you like this: I, this is nothing more than setting myself up for more disappointment from the Democratic Party because. That's who will be looking to do something to stop this man. You know, when Donald Trump stood back and was humiliated, humiliated by Barack Obama at the dinner, he vowed he would get it back. He could not have done it without Russia, voter suppression, and he could not have done it with outside money, foreign money into our elections, which paved the way. So what if you didn't like Hillary? (laughs) I bet you one thing, you would give anything right now for Hillary to be the president rather than Donald Trump. And I'll, 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 I'll say it over and over and over again because it's the truth. It is the truth. It's the absolute truth. And um, I think I've been running amok. (laughs) Running amok of, um, of what I promised. But sometimes it just it just gets away from me. I can't help it. 
I can't help it. And um, I would just have to add a few things to the conversation at this point, and that is simply this. <laughs> if we can't take the house and declare this man a danger, a clear and present danger, and basically investigate the hell out of him for the next two and a half years, it's done. It's done. If you think you're living in a hell hole now, I warned you about political reality leading up to the election when so many people were anti-Hillary, anti-Hillary. Hell, I was anti-Hillary too. But I was politically real about it. (laughs) I understood. I fully understood. what the hell was going on and what the hell we will be facing. Now, when you get to that point, when you get to that point about who is a clear and present danger to this country right now, it's Donald Trump and the Republican Party because they don't dare go against him because he's convinced so many of their voters, their base, that he is right. You know, and I don't know who I would rather see go down hard, be it Donald Jr., be it, uh, what's his name, Jared? Uh, I think Paul Manafort is talking. I think Paul Manafort is up against it. And I think that as this Mueller investigation progresses, if Republicans win and keep the House, he will fire Sessions, they will fire Mueller, They will jam through and destroy the Affordable Care Act. They will destroy Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. To hell with the people, Russia. And Putin will control everything. Donald Trump will even fall. And who put out the anonymous op-ed? Jesus. Let's think about it. I really don't give a damn. It just goes to show that they are far in advance with their messaging, and they are playing the long game, and we simply have no game. The people in charge don't make a bit of sense but they're making all the rules. They're breaking all the rules. And it's just, it's an untenable position 
for not just us, but for each and every one of us. Five, five, nine, one. <laughs> no, not five, nine, one. Nine, two, nine, four, seven, seven, two, eight, six, seven. Let me go to the phones. Six, one, seven. Welcome to the Alpha Show. Thank you for calling TruthWorks Network. Well, good evening, Alpha, and to Janice. How are you? Shout out to India in the chat room and Otis in the chat room, and some person named Daily News who walked out the chat room when I told her to stop. You disappeared. Uh, yeah, I had to tell her to stop picking her nose. Um. I don't even know where to start. It's been uh, quite a week. Uh, but I do want to start by marking uh, the way in which the international tennis organizations have shown their asses in regard to the Williams sisters forever. And uh, today, at the end of the U.S. Open, Serena Williams had to put down her foot with the referee. And they continue not to acknowledge that Naomi Osaka is African American. Um, It's beyond me, so I want to start with that. The other is how quickly black people can turn on other black people. Now they're after Colin Kaepernick. Kaepernick gets this big ad campaign and contract with Nike, and it hasn't even been three days, and the black folks are talking about he's selling out the black community, he's selling out the protest against (laughs) police brutality and terrorism. You know, shut the fuck up. That's how I feel about it. You know, at some point, we have got, at some point, uh, as black radicals, we have got to do more than criticize people who we think are not radical enough, people who we think aren't black enough, people who we think somehow don't meet some invisible, undefined uh, line barrier of blackness. If we took the same measurements, these same people would have been criticizing Malcolm, would have been criticizing Marcus would have been criticizing Ida B. Shut up and do something around black people that uplifts us as a people, that puts food on our tables, roofs over our heads, and the right kind of learning power in front of our children. Otherwise, shut the fuck up. I've had it. I know you talked about Ayanna Presley. And uh, I've known Ayanna 
as a young, a very young law student, when she was a very young law student, um, she's highly, highly uh, analytic. She's powerful in her speech and her ability to explain her positions, and we will see. She served three terms in the Boston City Council. She was a staffer for Ted Kennedy for a couple of years, and then she was a deputy chief of staff in uh, John Kerry's office prior to running for Boston City Council. She is part of the elite of the Democratic Party in Massachusetts, and I'm not making any judgment about that. She has figured out how to set her feet in that establishment. Um, I do want to say about Mike Capuana, Mike Capuana has stayed the course as a Democratic progressive for the entire time that he has been, and he is my congressman, and she will be my congresswoman um, because I, I live in in their in the district. Um, so I think that we have to understand, and I was talking with India last night about this, that we have to have a game plan which is multi-faceted. It has to be multidimensional, and it has to be for the long game. And if that means as uh, that we will in time have to step on the, the shoulders of people that have served us, that's what it means. And Alpha, I also want to thank you for not playing any Obama speeches. Obama is doing Obama. He is Obamaing the way that he Obamas, and that is going to be serve and be helpful to the Democratic Party in the long run going up to the midterms. So whatever works. You know, we have at some point, we have to do the things that work. If we don't do the things that work, we are either doing nothing or we are doing destructive shit. I was very pleased, Alpha, to make a banner for you that said that 37% of all eligible black voters are missing in action. And... On on your behalf, I put a message in there and says, Would some if they are found, please tell them to get their shit together and get to the polls in November. That's what we ought to be doing right now. Because just as you just pointed out, the destruction, this man is like he has a John Deere. And he's going through the fields of the foundations of Anything black activists can achieve uh, upon. There has to be a political foundation. There has to be an infrastructure. And sometimes 
it means that we have to use the one that's in place. I have uh, been very tired of the idea that we have to have 16. I was invited to 16 black conferences this year. Now, I ask you, Alpha, if I go to 16 black conferences, how the hell am I have time to do anything else? So and and I'm not going back. You got money. And I'm not and I'm not going back to the I'm not going back to the Gary Indiana con, uh, convention. The day of doing that is over as well. But this um, Otis just put it up up, up there and um, and I've been saying fuckery, but he said pageantry. Okay, so I'll say pageantry because it sounds better. Um, pageantry in blackness. We've got to cut it out. Because you know what? Whether we're socialists, whether we're communists, whether we're Democrats, and and socialism is not an exclusion from being a Democrat. Socialism is an exclusion from being a Republican. Because Republicans dismiss the concept of socialism. But we got to stop trying to out-black each other. Uh, We've got to uh, somehow, a book has 50 pages, and some of us are going to be on the same page at the same time. You know, my father used to have this um, sign in our patio in the bar area, and I used to read it all the time, and said, you can fool some of the people some of the time, but you can't fool all of the people all of the time. And we can't be super black. We can be super black some of the time, but we can't be super black all of the time because the infrastructure, the power and control that's necessary to be super black is not at our disposal. So th- those are the things that I want to talk about. And Kavanaugh, he's a liar. And, <laughs> and, and you know, I mean, what can you say? But the fact is that he is going to be a justice of the Supreme Court of the United States, an associate justice. So I think that what we have to do is we have to rethink our strategies about how we want to dismantle, transform, and build a judicial system in this country. You know, just like I, I'm not one of those people who say, oh, get rid of ICE. That ain't going to happen. But ICE can be dismantled. It can be transformed. It can become a delivery system of what we need. And I'm not one of those people who support open borders. I think we have to have a well-regulated, just system of immigration in this country. We can't possibly, given now that we've had 18 months of fucking Donald Trump, the, uh, the the deficit 
that he has placed on this country just by his tomfoolery. His tomfoolery. The 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 army and the navy and the military, they have more money than they can use in the next 25 years. In the meantime, we have children in this country who are not properly fed. We have schools in this country that are not properly financed. And we have to get into the idea that our politics have to be directed at unequal treatment. That means those who need it most will get more than those who need it least. So those are my comments tonight. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you kept them brief. And uh... <laughs> if, I, if, if I stop talking, I'll lose my point. Um, I know how oh, I manage my, my elder, <laughs> my elder. You know, uh, you know. For instance, in New York, uh, I don't know what happened with Cynthia Nixon. I asked the question in the chat room. Nobody ever answered me. Did she? Did she win or did she not win? No, she didn't win. Are you kidding? Oh, okay. Me? You're talking okay. establishment. You're talking establishment. Dino and you're talking about one of the mo- you're talking about one of the most potentially um, corrupt politicians in the in the in in the form of Andrew Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo, and I'm speaking out of turn, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Had a very big meeting in Genoa, Italy. About three weeks ago, four weeks ago, he invited all of his political friends to Italy to have this meeting, which I understand from a little birdie that people were telling him, oh, hell no, you're not going to be a nominee in 2020 for the Democratic Party. But he has all of these people who get who are his political buddies who get things and we don't have anybody to get things from but Cynthia Nixon had a real opportunity to hit him on the New York City housing authority debacle crisis the lack of affordable housing in New York City and beyond. And she didn't do it. Why didn't she know about the meeting in Italy? I knew about the meeting in Italy. A lot of nonprofit people who get federal funding went, the the CEOs and the whatever, the executive directors, they all went. The other is, why Andrew Cuomo was not challenging the fact that you've got a wedding planner who by all, I think I said this to India, who by what everybody knows has only planned one wedding. But she is the head, she is the top person 
in New York and New Jersey and Delaware states for HUD. Never had any, has no experience. She's not a lawyer. She's not, she didn't go, she doesn't have an MBA. I don't know what she got, but she don't got that. And she's never had any kind of housing experience. No, she didn't. She she didn't intern at the at the Federal Housing Administration. Did she? Didn't intern in the federal government. But that's who they have. And Cynthia Nixon never said a word. Ocasio never said a word. Because these people and, you know, and there was a big party the other night and I didn't get a chance to say hello or introduce or, or, or say hello to Ayana, but I sent a message and that is you got to know the crisis and the challenges facing the people. It's not good enough to have all these fucking intellectual conceptual political stands. And I say that to the black left and the black socialists. It's not good enough. People have got to know that, and I won't go into the 17% increase in, in housing for persons who are Eligible? Do you know how much money you have to make? How poor you have to be to be eligible to get a Section Eight voucher? And how many years it takes to get it? So anyway, I just wanted to ask that question. You want me to get off the phone now? Um, I do have uh, another call in the in the uh, queue. But uh, I'll simply put you on mute. (laughs) I'll simply put you on mute. As always, I welcome your call, your opinion, your take on things. And um, I actually welcome for the time feeling that allows me the opportunity to whittle away my time. (laughs) And I will promise your audience that the next time you're not available to do a live broadcast, I will be sitting in for you. That's great. But I'm not playing your little stupid music. I'm playing my own. <laughs> That's right. Oh. oh, you're not going to play my music. Alpha, it's almost like we're in a dystopian period in this country. And then there are just so many people who are simply in la-la land. Well, just because you I, fucking can spell Afghanistan don't mean you know very much about it. And that is and, the the downside yeah, of yeah. people who, who don't have time on their hands. I've got nothing but time on my hands now. <laughs> I've got no but the thing, time but the thing is that we have to be we have to be as desperate as we really are. We have to understand that. I mean, if 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 Donald Trump has his way, 
do you know how many uh, pre-existing conditions I have? I've had cancer. I have had asthma. I have had COPD. I have had a whole bunch of shit. And right now I've got uh, aching feet from packing boxes. But um, uh, um, this guy is, 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 he hates this country because he never got the recognition that he wanted. He wanted to be recognized as a powerful uh, uh, business person, and everything failed, and, and they took him to court, and he didn't get his NFL team, and he hates this country, and he wants to punish us all. On top of he's a thief and a, and a thug, and a mobster, and a shuckster, and a, uh, um, he's, a he's, he's king of the deplorables. Okay, Alpha. So, right. I will talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for your call, Janice. I appreciate it. That's uh, the CEO of TrueForks Network, uh, Janice Graham. And, um, let me see. I see 312 is up. I'm coming to you uh, directly, uh, but um, I had to play this because I'm missing her other clip. Man, do you want to spend a lot of my tax money on these proposals that you and Bernie and others have? Medicare for all, college tuition, maybe even housing, uh, that the Green New Deal that you have, it is all very expensive, especially on the single-payer side, mm -hmm. and that it gives people sticker shock. Mm -hmm. Even in Bernie's home state, they got sticker shock. They couldn't get it done mm -hmm. in his state because mm -hmm. of how expensive it is. And that was an 11% increase in taxes, 9 to 11%. Even that was too much for people. How do you pay? How do you sell it? Mm -hmm. So first of all, the thing that we need to realize is people talk about the sticker shock of Medicare for all. They do not talk about the sticker shock of, our, of the cost of our existing system. You know, in a Koch Brothers funded uh, you know, study, if any study is going to try to be a little bit slanted, it would be one funded by the Koch Brothers. It shows that Medicare for all is actually much more, is, is actually much cheaper than the current system that we pay right now. And let's not forget that the reason that the Supreme Court upheld the Affordable Care Act is because they ruled that each of these monthly payments that everyday Americans make is a tax. And so while it may not seem like we pay that tax on April 15th, we pay it every single month, or we do pay a tax season if we don't buy, uh, you know, these plans off of the exchange. So we're paying for this system. We Americans have the sticker shock of health care as it is. And what we're also not talking about is why aren't we incorporating the cost of all the funeral expenses of those who die because they can't afford access to health care? That is part of the cost of our system. Why don't we talk about the cost of reduced productivity because of people who need to go on disability, because of people who are not able to participate in our economy, because they they have because they're having issues like diabetes or or they don't have access to the health care that they need. I think at the end of the day, we see that this is not a pipe dream. Every other developed nation in the world does this. Why can't America? And that is the question that we need to ask. 
We have done these things before. We write unlimited blank checks for war. We write a two trillion, we just wrote a two trillion dollar check for that tax cut, the GOP tax cut, and nobody asked those folks how are they gonna pay for it. So my question is why is it that our pockets are only empty when it comes to education and healthcare for our kids? Why are our pockets only empty when we talk about 100% renewable energy that is going to save this planet and allow our children to thrive? We only have empty pockets when it comes to the morally right things to do. But when it comes to uh, tax cuts for billionaires and when it comes to unlimited war, we seem to be able to, be, to, to invent that, num that money very easily. And to me, it belies a lack of moral priorities that people have right now, especially the Republican Party. 929-477-2867. Let me go to the phones. 312, welcome to the Alpha Show. Thank you for calling Truth Works Network. Hey, Brother Alpha, this is House. How are you tonight, man? House, how are you feeling? I feel fine. I feel even better. Um, you know, hearing Miss uh, Janet call back again tonight. And is, uh, you know, if you want to take her off mute, take her off mute anytime you uh, feel like it. She's uh, more than happy to hear her <clears throat> when I'm on the phone with you. Um, I heard a. Uh, few different things I want to touch on. First, you all were talking about music. Um, I got two songs for you. Billy Paul, Am I Black Enough for You? And uh, Phil Johnson, um, Is It Because I'm Black? I need to hear, you know, those songs from somebody sooner or later. Um, they would have come in handy tonight. Um, other thing, oh, uh, Janice brought up Barack. I hate to have to bust it out. I saw a headline. I saw something on CNN, and I hit it. Barack said something about there is no permanent permanent elite, I think the headline was, which is a absolutely moronic statement. And I listened to the clip, and um, no, it didn't make any sense. Um, he got a big round of applause for it, but it was uh, total sophistry because even if there is no permanent elite, there's a perm there is a permanent elitist agenda. So even if the names names are changed and the families that's holding on to all this wealth, you know, every sixty, seventy, eighty years or whatever, the agenda's never going away. Um the clip you played by Krugman, I think it was, Park Krugman, Krugman. Right. Um, about Iran. Common good. Um the the explanation of all of that um, is objectivism. Um, look up the term objectivism, objectivism and it uh, it summarizes it um, thoroughly. That's the explanation. That's what's going on with uh, Ayn Rand. That's what's going on with the Republican Party today. That is the uh, uh, means of the despots, uh, the Koch brothers. Um, that's their... That's their impetus. That's that's capitalism um, in action, actually, objectivism. And um, the last thing, um, I'm glad Janice brought it up. I'm telling you, I, I pushed one after I heard Janice, and she she got me, she got me right. Um, the tennis match today with uh, Serena and um, Naomi Osaka. Uh oh, the I'm sorry, the black Japanese woman. Excuse me, she's Haitian. Um, Osaka um, And um, 
yeah, how the Williams sisters have been singled out um, since they've gotten into uh, professional tennis. Um, the irony being that Naomi was a, a huge fan of Serena. She is a, you know, she's a she idolized Serena um, coming up, um, and I think her father, if not her mother, also kind of followed um, um, the senior Williams game plan um, and getting that young lady to the professional point professional point in tennis that she's in now. Um, and I think there were four uh, black women in uh, Wimbledon this year. I think the, the uh, quarterfinals, uh, Sloane Stevens, Naomi, Serena, and um, oh, the, uh, uh, the girl, uh, I think uh, Naomi just beat. Key, Keys. Madison Key. Yeah. Well, Venus Madison. was in there too. And this was well, in the yeah. U.S. Open, yeah. And he, well, uh, Serena beat her in the third round. Um, right. But but I mean, in the actual in the actual first. quarterfinals. Yeah. Oh, the quarterfinals. Um, but no, there were a couple more, um, couple more black women in the entire field. Uh, Taylor uh, Taylor Townsend, who's from Chicago, um, was in the field. She right, actually right. made it to the second round. Um, but yeah, the the, the irony is that uh, Serena was her idol. And, um, you know, the tragedy of the whole uh, match today was that it took away from her impressive play. She beat Serena. Um, she beat Serena 6-2 in the first set. I can't remember the last time Serena's been on her game at any level, above 50, 60, 65%, where she lost the set 6-2. Um, she didn't just win. Um, Serena didn't simply lose. Uh, she beat her. Um, and even though we got robbed of a, a great back-and-forth third set uh, with Serena, uh, or possible third set if she could have won the second set, because uh, Serena's at her best um, when she has to come from behind and she figures some stuff out and she'll just get in you, that would have been great, 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 great tennis. And we got robbed of that um, because of uh, what Serena said was um, – uh, or inferred that it was just a bad call. Um, she got penalized for something men do all day, every day, and um, took the game from her, and um, just really just took all the wind out of her sails. And but uh, um, we're already dealing with a really kind of shy uh, Naomi. And once the uh, ceremony started, or even before the ceremony um, started, she was really she didn't react the way you would think someone who just won her first major. She's won her first uh, uh, tournament, period. But her first win, it comes in the major, U.S. Open. And she, you didn't see the elation, jumping up and down, the pure joy. She was very reserved. Um, tears as though almost she didn't deserve it. Um, almost, you know, as though as she's stumbled upon, upon it or got it unfairly. And even during the ceremony, Presenting um, the checks and the trophies, um, the audience was booing um, in the beginning when they first first started up. And um, Serena, they asked her questions first, and she was like, "You know, I'm not. I don't feel like answering your questions. I just want to say some things." And she was like, "Look, stop booing. Um, you know, this girl won. She played a great match." Um, 
and she needs to be able to enjoy her moment. So I was I was uh, more than pleased that she stepped up and showed some leadership and some empathy and um, helped celebrate that young lady um, for her accomplishment. Um, you know, I love tennis. Um, tennis is probably my favorite sport, even over basketball. And I've been watching it for ever, ever and ever. I, I wasn't born, but I, I, I can probably tell you some uh, about some of Thea Gibson's matches. <laughs> um, but that's, that's my sport. So um, I love the history of it. I love seeing what Venus and Serena have done, along with Arthur Ashes and um, even the Max um, back in the day. So this just being another, um, you know, another chapter. Um, in the evolution of this game, where we're seeing more um, black and brown people come into this, you know, kind of elitist sport, you know, kind of like golf. And, um, you know, the fact that we have somebody at the top now who is conscious, at least to a degree, um, may not always write, may not always put out the best images or whatever, but I'll give her her credit. She really, really tries. Um and, you know, to be able to be, uh, to humble herself, um, even in a, a upsetting circumstance and, um, you know, celebrate somebody else's joy, somebody else's victory. Somebody who's obviously, who got next, Serena being 36, 37, and was 20, you know, it's, it's going to be an official changing of the guard within the next two or three years. So, yeah, I'm glad Dennis brought that up. Well, I'm glad you brought it up, Al. <laughs> I'm glad you brought it up because, uh, you know, I I concur with one thing, that um, Serena is not, she's about, to me, she's about 60, 75% in that range of mm-hmm. herself. And as, you know, as the clock takes and she, and I, I know her trainers and all of the people who, her entourage mm-hmm. understands that one thing has to happen before anything can happen is that the, you know, the little bit of weight that she added has to come off. Yep. Has to come. And you're talking, and I'm talking about it. I'm somebody who's heavy, 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 heavy. Capital H and a capital Y at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you like this, I know, I've come to understand that you know, you can exercise, and I wish I could exercise at this point, but it's about what you what you put in, what you're shoveling in your mouth. And I'm just like that crack addict. I can't get enough. I mean, I got to, when I get off, even though it's late at night, I got to go finish off my last um, rack of ribs, you know. But uh, <laughs> you got to have. Huh? But that's just me. It's like It's like poison, man. It's very poison. It's killing me. <laughs> yeah, I agree. She has to uh, get in better shape. You know, she's too, still carrying around her um, her birth, uh, her birthing weight. Um, so when she drops that, actually, you know, I was watching Tennis Channel was playing an Australian Open match from two years ago, I think, when she played Venus. Um I want to say it was the final. I can't remember for sure. But, yeah, the uh, difference between her body then and her body now, you know, it's an obvious difference um, for obvious reasons. 
Um, well, she she says she probably shut it down for the rest of the year. This year, you know, I'm probably get down there in that Florida heat and um, train her butt off, and um, probably you know drop some weight, reshape her body, um, get into a little bit better tennis shape. Although I did see her do a split um, during uh, this tournament, so she still has the flexibility. Um, yeah, and like she said, she's not done. Um, you know, she's coming through. She's going to uh, try and beat Margaret Court's uh, number 24 Grand Slams, which is she's only one away. She's probably going to try and decimate it over the next two years. And, um, you know, I look forward to her uh, doing it. I don't look forward to Venus going away. I think next year is probably going to be Venus's last year, if not this year. Um, but I am looking forward to all these um, these new names uh, coming. I think I saw a stat of the last eight majors in women's tennis. They have had eight different winners, which to me is wonderful. Um, you know, that's uh, a lot of new blood um, between Sloan and um, Naomi today. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's just a great thing. But yeah, I'm just waiting for the men to come up, men's um, men's bracket to come back up. Looking for some. Uh, some folks of color uh, to break through. I heard a couple of names today. I'm going to look up and try and uh, keep an eye out for going forward also. But, um, yeah, man, and one of these days I'm actually going to get back to the U.S. Open. When I was living in New York, as close as I came, I, I did driving <laughs> for um, for uh, some dignitaries. Uh, I was supposed to be able to get tickets and go in. Uh, kind of didn't work out that way. I was stuck driving a freaking limousine for 12 hours a day, but you know, whatever. One of these days, I'm actually making in the stadium and um, really? take a look at some matches. But um, oh, uh, <laughs> oh, there's a um, oh, yeah. new tennis facility here too, XS uh, Stadium. It's uh, opened by the coach, the guy who coaches uh, Sloan Stevens. As a matter of fact, it's over there on the old grounds of uh, Robert Taylor. I think it's like 52nd, really? 53rd in Wabash. Yeah, it's awesome facility, man. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I was supposed to get a membership. I'll probably wait to um, probably wait, wait to around Christmas or so. Um, it's a great facility. They actually had a pro match uh, over the uh, this past week, as a matter of fact. Um, some of the people who lost in the early rounds of the U.S. Open actually came and played. But, uh, yeah, look that up. It's um, it's tennis, man. It's my favorite sport. Well, how thanks a lot for your call, man. Let me, let me, let me wrap this up for this evening. So, uh, thanks for taking the call. All right, take care, House. Appreciate it, House Music Lover. I want to thank House Music Lover for his call. I want to thank Janice Graham for calling, and I want to thank Otis. And um, I'm going to say this again. There has to be a reckoning in our politics. Democrats have to approach this in the same fight to the death and by any means necessary that Republicans use to gain the upper hand. They traffic in suppression. They traffic in lies. They traffic in deceit. They traffic in all of the things that Democrats are afraid 
to traffic in. And that's how they win. They are willing to lie and never apologize. All of the things that we were taught not to do, they are willing to do and to continue to do. So, until next week, when injustice becomes law, resistance becomes duty. Everybody thinks we're wrong. Who are they to judge us? Mother, mother. Simply call the sweet where I have long. <laughs> 